But a few weeks back, we started a series, and we called it At the Table. And basically, the series is about answering questions. I need all the, everything. We have, they're in the dark. I can't see them. I need to see what their faces look like. See, because I'm just, and I want them all turned way up. Amen. Yes. All right. Wake up back there. I, yeah, yeah, that's why I need it on, you know, because I'm watching you. Well, oh, okay, yeah, you're watching me. But anyway, what I'm doing and I'm tempted to do in this series is to answer some of the most frequently asked questions that people ask. And what we're going to do every year is, is around uh, Easter is I'm going to have something to where you can put into a box and ask some questions, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer those questions in a series. And by doing that, I, I think what will happen is we'll, we'll be able to cover some more ground because there's a lot of questions that people ask. Like, we started the series off about how do I change? So many people have a hard time in, in understanding how to change, and so we answered that question, and, and, it, it, and it was really, really good. And if you didn't uh, uh, see it or weren't here we, you can get a CD or you can get on our Facebook page, and it's on our Facebook page, and you can watch it. And the next question basically was finding your purpose. You know, so change, purpose. Now today we're going to move in a slightly a different direction. We're going to talk about stress. You know, so many people deal with stress, and that's a big thing. You know, how do I, how do I deal with stress? And I'm going, to, I'm going to give you some causes of stress. It's not in your notes, but it will be on the board. The first one, and I've looked these up, is death of a loved one. Death of a loved one always causes stress for people. The next one is confrontations and conflicts. That causes stress. You know, you have to, you have to confront somebody, um, and you're, you're nervous because, you know, you're scared of how they're going to think. Well, let me, let me enlighten you. Instead of worrying about what might happen, start believing God of what will happen. Start seeing the result in a favorable way. And when you start seeing it that way and trusting God that way, it'll end up that way. You know, remember, Job, what I feared the most has come upon me. Well, you know what? That's what he believed the most. What you believe the most will come upon you. The next one is marriage. Everybody say, amen. amen. You know how to spell marriage? W-O-R-K. Because it is a work all the way through. You, ah, I'm in love. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then you move in with them. And love goes away. You know? But see... Marriage is a work because what happens is, is you have to practice the agape love of God. You have to love by choice at times when you don't feel like it. I mean, there's sometimes, and I can't remember a time that I can think of, that my wife doesn't love me. Come on, that's a joke. You know, because there's sometimes she does not feel like it. But she chooses to love me in spite of all the stupid things that I do. And, and trust me, I, I do one or two at a time. Deadlines, another thing for stress. Oh, we've got to get it done by, you know. Uh, God, you know I have to have this message done by Sunday. 
it's a deadline. It's stressful. Legal problems. Job loss. Divorce. New job. Retirement. Most people don't prepare for retirement. Most people think, well, the rapture's going to happen. You know, a lot of people are dead that thought that. And they had no retirement. Money problems. Man, that's a big one. Do you know that's the number one killer in marriage? Number two is adultery. Not number one. Number one is money problems. Money problems will kill a marriage. Illness. Parenting. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is in there. Pace of life. We're just too busy. Expectation of others. We expect too much out of people. And this one, I just threw in there, unresolved sin. See, the psychologist might not put that in there, but the Bible clearly deals with that. And being a pastor, I've dealt with so many issues, and most of it comes to unresolved sin, where people have stress in their life. Because when it's resolved, you're usually going to God quite a bit. And when you go into God quite a bit, you usually have a lot of peace and rest. But see, God wants you to have peace, and he wants you to have rest. And God has the ability to give you all these things in the middle of your storm. In John chapter 16, verse 33, in the nearly inspired version, it says this. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Well, this is what Jesus just said. He said, look, y'all. He said, you live in this world, you're going to have some problems. And just because you have problems doesn't mean you have some sin in your life. There's just problems that happen in this world. But check it out. I overcame them all. You don't have to overcome it in yourself. You just have to trust me, and I will give you the strength to overcome this world. Because I've already overcome it. I've already done it. I showed you how to do it. And so I will lead by example. And I've given you the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to overcome. I mean, that's, that's how simple it is. See, in the old covenant, they didn't have the ability because they didn't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. But we have the Spirit of the living God living on the inside of us. So we have the ability to overcome sin. Now, I'll tell you what, that is really good. Because if you didn't have the ability to overcome sin, you would always be broke, busted, disgusted, and defeated. Every day. You would have no hope of glory. But you have hope of glory because he overcame the world. Psalms chapter 34 and verse, uh, verse 19 in the New King James Version, it says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Everybody say all. all. He delivers you out of all afflictions. All. Amen. When you take a look at this word affliction, it's based upon an Assyrian torture. Now, an Assyrian torture, what is that? That's where they get you up on a pole and they strap you to a pole and you're strapped up. And they start putting rocks down to, to, at your feet and they get it at like a teepee. It comes up like a teepee. And it slowly, the pressure crushes you and kills you. That's what affliction does. It's like rocks building up, building up, and you're standing on the pole, and, it, and the pressure is slowly coming. He came to deliver you out of all Amen. affliction. 
every pressure, anything that is named. And that's what he came to do. And you know what? If you have affliction right now, guess what? God wants to take you out of it. You have problems, you have worries, you have things going on. God wants to deliver you from that today. And today's message is going to be on the book, uh, on the book of Philippians. And what I really like about Philippians, well, I love everything Paul wrote, but he was in jail. Now think about this. He's incarcerated. He's looking at a death sentence. They're going to cut his head off. They're going to kill him, right? And he writes this book of Philippians, and he talks about joy and rejoicing all through this book. You've got to be out of your living mind. Who's going to be talking about joy going, oh, my goodness, I'm getting my head cut off in the morning. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? Well, Jesus, do you know they're cutting my head off? But that's not how Paul responds. That's not how he writes. When you take a look at this, and, and all the times he writes, he says this. He says, in Philippians 4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. So he said, I'm not just saying rejoice. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to stand firm that even though I'm getting my head cut off in the AM, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to stay strong. So no matter what's going on, you know, I'd be thinking, man, what's going on here? But, the, but Paul demonstrated the peace that passes all understanding. He demonstrated that when he wrote this book. He demonstrated, hey, look, it doesn't matter what affliction's coming my way. And you know what? It's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, King, look, if you want to throw us in the fire, go ahead. God can deliver us. If he doesn't, we're still not bowing down to you. We know he's able. We just trust him. And those guys walked in the fiery furnace and, you know, they weren't even getting touched. I mean, they were probably, you know, freak out. You, you know, I mean, they were having a good time. And it's okay to have a good time. And that's what they were doing. They were, they were woo, high five, we ain't getting burnt, woo, yeah. Well, that's how Paul was writing this letter. He was rejoicing in Christ Jesus. He was not a joy, rejoicing because he was being afflicted. He was rejoicing because he was being afflicted for standing up for Christ Jesus. See, if you're being afflicted, if you're having all these problems and stuff like that, most of the time it's caused by you. And the way you do that is you change some of the things that you do. But then now, if your affliction is because you're in Christ Jesus, you have something to rejoice about. Because you are going to be afflicted. You are going to have problems. You are going to face adversity as long as you are in Christ Jesus. Because, see, this world is not of Christ Jesus. And because of that, we, we face these things. So when you get in distress, how do you deal with it? How do I deal with my problem? Well, the first thing, it's in your notes, worry about nothing. Okay, let's go home. Worry about nothing. Right? Philippians 4, 5. It says, do not be anxious about anything. He said, don't worry about anything. And what that means is don't borrow from the future something that's probably not going to happen to you. Come on, that was good. Worry is being totally consumed with something that either has happened or is going to happen or might not even happen. 
You're just consumed with it. And that's what worry is. The original meaning of worry is to be choked or strangled. That's what it means. In the Greek, it means to have a divided mind. And when you have a divided mind, oh man, is God going to rescue me? Is God not? Being doubly minded, God can't bless that. We need to not worry about anything. But you know, it's easier said than done. And that's true. I'll, I'll give you that. that, that that's the truth. And, and the whole point is, it's easier said than done. We'll get through this how it's going to be easier done than said. That's what this message is about. See, I want to put some practicality to this. I want to give you something that when you walk out of here, you're going to go, yeah, cool. And if you take these principles, it'll work. In Matthew 6, 27, he says this, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? He said this. He's, Jesus was saying, if you're borrowing from the future, how can you add to now? See, you've got to worry about the now, or you have to be concerned about the now. He, he said this, he said in verse 34, he says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. So he's saying, look back at today and take a look at today and forget about tomorrow. Don't look at tomorrow, look at today. And when you watch today, then he goes on to say this, he says, For tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, yesterday's tomorrows are today. Are today. Yeah, yesterday's tomorrows are today. And that's what he said. So if you take a look at today, and you worry about today, and you take a look at today and, and live in the day, you'll be okay tomorrow. But if you start worrying about tomorrow, your today will be lost. It will be. And then uh, tomorrow, then your day is lost. Have you ever wondered, hey, where did the time go? That's because you're always looking at tomorrow. Man, time goes by so fast. You're looking at tomorrow. Look at today. If you look at today, time won't go as fast. Time will still be 24 hours in a day. Man, where did the time go? You're looking at tomorrow. Look at today. What's going on today? And it says this. It says, each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, don't add troubles to tomorrow. Just stay in today's zone. So what do we need to do? We need to, this is in your notes, write this down, live one day at a time. One day at a time. That's it. Enjoy the moment. Have you ever thought about the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day, our daily bread. Give us tomorrow, tomorrow's Give us today, our daily bread. Let's, let's think about this. Remember the children of Israel? They were in the wilderness, and they were getting manna. And the manna, it couldn't be held for more than that day. Because God didn't want them to look at tomorrow. He wanted them to trust them today. Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Then we need to trust him today. Don't worry about your tomorrow. Tomorrow will come. So the next principle is this, number two. Pray about everything. That's what you have to do. You have to pray about everything. You, you know, I mean, if we would pray when things come to our mind, instead of prayer being a last resort, it would be the first responder. Amen. See, what's happened is you got a headache, and you run, and you go get the Tylenol. 
instead of going to the Lord in prayer first. And as a matter of fact, before the headache comes, when you wake up in the morning, thank you, God, for divine help. First responder before it even comes. Anybody get the flu? Raise your hand if you get the flu. All right. I'm going to pray for you guys. I don't get the flu. Why? Because I'm a first responder. I thank God for my healing. I thank God for walking in health before it even happens. And I even mentioned flu. I thank God during that season, it's not my season. My season is health all season, every season. I walk in it continually. And no, and it wasn't a trick question. It's just the truth. The last time I actually had flu symptoms was in 1999. I was at Rama Bible Training Center with the late Kenneth E. Hagan. And he was teaching a class called Christ the Healer. And in that class, I was becoming God's great man of faith and power for the hour. I get the symptoms of the flu. I'm going to go work at uh, my job at Quick Trip, where I was an assistant manager. I was like, God, I can't afford to do this. You know, I can't get sick. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like, and you call yourself a man of faith. You know? And then, all of a sudden, by divine revelation, by illumination from the Holy Spirit, I get greater is he that's in me than sickness and disease that's in the world. I mean, it just came up just like that. And as soon as I spoke that out, it was like a supernatural strength. Jesse Duplantis used to say this. It's like Tabasco going up his legs. Well, I felt the Holy Ghost just, and, and, and it just pushed on out of me. It was gone. I have never had the flu symptoms since. And it's not because... Oh, you're just such a great man of God. No, I just chose to believe his word. I'm just as dumb as everybody else. You know? And I do mean that. We're all pretty dumb. Anytime we think we can figure out God and we got this thing licked and, hey, God, you know what, don't worry, I got this, that's stupid. And trust me, we all do it every once in a while. Philippians 4, 6, it says, In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So it means pray about everything and be thankful to God. You know, Lord, thank you for my divine help. That is a prayer, that's a thanksgiving. That, I, I killed two birds with one stone. You know, I mean, boom, you know. I thank God for his promises and his provisions in the word. And then in verse 7, it says this. Because this is what happens when you're thankful. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how it works. That's how stress goes away. You want stress to go away? You start praying and petitioning and thanking God for his provision, for his promises. And you start looking at that, and you start rejoicing in him, and you start rejoicing, and then all of a sudden, the stress starts dissipating. The peace of God starts rising up. When you get up on Monday, pray about Monday. But don't pray about Monday. Don't think about Monday today. As a matter of fact, don't even think about the buffet right now. Think about God, you know, and Him and getting something from Him right now. See, because when you're thinking about that and when you're paying attention to that, then what happens is you start, you start strengthening in your faith and you start getting peace. 
So your batteries have gone down. And, 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 and you know, the God, what God's saying this morning is, is I want you to charge your battery, but you don't have to charge it every Sunday. You need to charge it every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Whew. One breath. How did I do that? It's because I got a whole lot of air right here. <clears throat> anyway. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So why do we pray? This is the reason he cares. He does. He cares. And you know what he cares about? Everything. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. Everything. He cares about every part of you. He cares about how you wear your hair. What? Because you do. He cares for you. He cares for the things that you care about. He loves you. He created you to be in his image, to be in his likeness. The next thing in dealing with stress, and this is more about maintenance than it is pushing it away, think about the right things. Hmm. You know, when bad thoughts leave, you know what happens? They come back later. You know, I've dealt with uh, a lot of issues over the years. And there's, I don't think there's really too many, if, if there is any issues out there, I haven't actually dealt with in some way, shape, or form. And I've noticed that people get all excited because they kick the habit, whatever it is, for six months. But every time what happens is this, is they're proud of it, but they struggle with it. And what that tells me is they kicked the habit, God didn't kick it. Because grace is God's divine power and ability working in me and through me to give me the power and the ability to do the things that I cannot do in my own ability. And so it's by grace, God's ability, that I'm saved, set free, and delivered through faith, believing in his ability. And that doesn't just mean born again. That means delivered from sickness, disease, uh, addiction. What, uh, you fill in the blank, disease from, the, from all the curse that's, that's mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 28. All of that stuff I've been delivered from through grace. So until I, I set my mind in the right place and do the right things, what will happen, it returns because my body is craving it on the inside. But when it stops craving it on the inside, when it rejects it, when it's repulsive, now I know grace is working in my life. That's how you overcome sin. That's how you conquer sin, because he overcame it, so his grace pushes it away. Paul helps us out right here in Philippians 4.8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, everybody say if, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Not only do we pray, but we get, to, we get to choose what we think about. We get to set our minds. What we need to do is we need to keep the garbage and we need to keep the trash out. Well, what's the garbage? You know what y'all been watching. You know, well, you know, it only has one or two cuss words in it. 
shows a little bit of a breast, you know, it's real quick. Boom. Just a little bit. That's kind of like me saying, you know, I'm going to make some brownies. I'm just going to put a little bit of poop in it. I mean, I didn't even put the whole thing. I mean, I cut just a little bit off. Just put it in there and just, you want a brownie? Of course not. So when you get garbage in, what happens is, and I'm not saying that that this is going to send you to hell. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just trying to tell you how to live a stress-free life. I'm trying to tell you if you put your mind in the right things, what will happen is you'll get the pollution out and you'll start living a whole lot better. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, come on, preach it, sister. I like that okay. (laughs) Amen, brother. It kind of gets me a little. (sighs) So this is what I'm saying is monitor what you allow into your mind and what you allow into your heart. If there's some profane and negative language, let it out. If pictures of nudity and horror are going on, stay away from it. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. You know, you, you want to know why you want to keep the light on all the time? Because you watch stuff that scares you. Well, you know, I don't watch real scary movies. Well, what do you watch? Any, any, you watch the news? I'll tell you what, turn the news off for a month. You know what you'll do? You'll be like, man, this is a beautiful world. God has got this. He's got the day. God's got the day long. <laughs> you know, I mean, I knew that song was coming, so I wrote the, no, no, no. Anyway, but, but, this, but that's really the deal is, is you start really looking into that and things start changing around you. Because you're like, oh, man. Lord, did you see what Trump did today? Did you hear what he Can't he go to bed at night? Quit listening to the news. Some of y'all bashing Trump, some of y'all bashing Obama, some of y'all ba- still bashing uh, Carter and Reagan and, and everybody. Some of you still bashing George Washington. Just stop. <laughs> quit thinking about that and quit thinking about this and think about this. Come on. You know? And set your mind on the right things. So, so Proverbs 23, 7 says this. It says, for as he or as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you're thinking on, you become. That's what the Bible says. What you think, you become. If you think you are cow manure, you will be cow manure. You'd be flat and stink. Anyway, you could say it this way. And, and this, you could write this down in your notes. It's that little check mark. My life is shaped by my thoughts. That's how you maintain. I'll tell you, really, to be honest with you, you won't be able to maintain if you're not in the Word. Because if your thoughts aren't shaped around the Word of God, you will not maintain. All right, here we go. You ready? So we live for today, right? We pray about our troubles. We guard our minds. And then number four, be contented with my things. Well, why didn't you write content? It's the same thing. I just wanted to make it a little bit more fancy. So Philippians 4, 11 says, I am not saying this because I am in need, 
For I have learned to be content, everybody say content, whatever the circumstances. So you know what? When I take a look at this, when I have a bad situation and circumstance, it usually means I have an unfulfilled expectation. Because if you're not content, or if you are content, all your expectations are fulfilled. So an unfilled, do you know that anger is a result of an unfulfilled expectation? If you were content, you wouldn't be hitting your sister on the front row. It doesn't matter, because if you were content and satisfied, you'd be thankful that you have a sister. Thank you, Jesus. Being content and satisfied. So what if you took expectation away from the equation. Now, all of a sudden, your current circumstance, you're going to be content in. Hey, that's good. Take expectation away. Take it away. Philippians 4.12, it says, I know what, is, uh, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, or whether living in plenty or in want. He was saying, look, guys, lower your expectations so you can be content. Don't expect too much. Just expect today. Expect God is going to rule your day. And if you start expecting that, guess what you'll actually have? You'll have all the promises and God start just fulfilling. See, I don't have to tell God, you know, God, you did promise me. No, he knows what he promised. God, I thank you for your promises. I thank you that the circumstances, the situations, the things that are going on in my life right now, they are not running me. They don't dictate to how I think and what I expect and who I think I am in you. Why? Because I trust you. And then when that happens, all of a sudden, so what you have to realize is this. This is your little checkpoint. Christ is enough for me. If that's your expectation, if Christ is enough for you, I'm telling you, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He is enough. Man, I'm telling you, this, this is awesome. And the last one, number five, Trust God for all things. You know, people just don't trust anymore. You know, I remember my mom a long time ago, she taught me a principle. Know me, like me, trust me. And, and she didn't teach me this because she was going to church. She just learned this principle over the years. You're not going to trust me if you don't know me, and you're not going to know, or you're not going to trust me if you don't like me, and you're not going to like me if you don't get to know me. And so we have to know God, like God, and then we trust God. But see, people who think they're getting to know God, they're not really getting to know God. They're getting to know uh, something that somebody's told them about God, so they're scared of God, so they, they, they run from God, and they believe that he's going to do all kinds of bad things to them. There was a song out there, and I think it was by Jimmy Buffett or someone like that, God's going to get you for that, you know. And that's a lie. The church has been preaching it in the South for years. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. God already got you for that on the cross 2,000 years ago. 
And all the punishment and everything was paid through Jesus Christ for past, present, and future sins. So God already got you for what you sin tomorrow. Selah. Think about that. He already got you. Why do you think I'm so grateful for Jesus? Mm. So we have to trust God for all things. Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So without trusting in him to give you strength, you won't have the strength it takes. We have to trust in Christ. We have to trust in God, and he will give you the strength. You start, you start praising him. You start, you, I, I talk, you start doing them songs, and you know, just like this, you know. I mean, it's like the stress starts going away, you know. I mean, some of y'all who, who see me from behind, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, you know. I mean, when I'm praising, I'm like, yeah. Why? You know, thriller, you know. <laughs> it's not because of that. It's just because I love God. And I will demonstrate my love to him through every part of my being. Do you know the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord, and one of the definitions of rejoice is a violent twirl of your body. Violent twirl. Now, I'm not a ballerina, so I can't violently twirl like one. And if I might twirl, I might be a weeble wobble, but I will fall down. Might need some help up. But what it means is, I really don't care about anybody else around me, and it's really that, that I don't love them or anything like that, but I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because I'm connected with God, and I want to worship Him and praise Him, not just in what I say, but in what I do. I want all parts of my being just to be, to be so, so in tune with Him, so in line with Him, that, that you know what, I really live free. You know, I don't have a dollar. Oh, man, I do have a dollar. I take that back. I usually don't have any money. I found something on top of the washer yesterday. <laughs> it came out of my pants. I usually don't have a dollar in my pocket or anything like that, but I'm never broke because my father has everything. And anytime I need something, what I do is, is I reach into the spiritual cookie jar and I take out a cookie. And guess what? When I get a cookie, he says, go ahead and grab another one, son. Why? Because he knows that Johnny's going to want a cookie. Amen. Think about it. He doesn't just give to take care of me. He wants me to go ahead and help take care of other people. Amen? Amen? Come on, this is good stuff right here. Y'all looking at me like you're in this Presbyterian church or something. <laughs> Come on. See, your relationship with church has usually been this way. Did you know you were coming here on Sunday? Yes. Why? Because you knew church was going to be open on Sunday, right? You had an expectation and you believed that it was going to be open. If the doors were closed, wouldn't you be shocked? I, sitting in that chair, you knew that chair was going to hold you. You know, I wonder if this chair is going to hold me. I mean, it, it held me up last Sunday. I did. You trusted that, right? But we need to trust God the same way. We'd be shocked. He didn't show up and fulfill his word. It would blow us away that that chair did not hold me up. It freaked me out. Well, it's because we have the wrong relationship with God. The Bible says, in, in, this is the last scripture I'm going to give you, in Psalms 9, 10, it says, those who know your name 
will trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. What? Have never forsaken. Have, have sometimes, have never forsaken. So why do we worry about tomorrow if he never forsakes those who seek him today? 